Good morning, and welcome to this edition of Advice Worth Keeping, KPMG's podcast series where we interview firm executives and thought leaders, as well as third-party industry luminaries and experts on important global business trends, topics, and leading practices. My name is Stan LaPique, and I lead global research for KPMG's Management Consulting Services Group. Pleased to have back with me again today Mr. Caleb Quirn. As you know, Caleb has been with us quite a bit lately, providing some keen insights. He's a member of the U.S. firm and advisory service line focused on cybersecurity services. So, Caleb, thanks for joining us here again today on Advice Worth Keeping. Happy to be back, Stan. Thank you. Well, since you're here so often, I think our audience would like to know a little bit more about you. So kind of like at the start of Jeopardy, tell us something interesting about yourself. Okay, thanks. I'm a brand-new father. I've got a six-month-old son at home and enjoying every moment of it. It's a great learning experience. Great, and I'm sure you're keeping busy. Never been busier. Congratulations. So let's get into our first topic. So what we're going to be talking about is the business value of bug bounty programs. And this just sounds like a really fun topic to talk about. Can you just explain to our listeners what is a bug bounty program? I assume we're talking software bugs here, correct? Just to level set with everybody, this is a cybersecurity conversation, so we've got one goal, one goal alone in line of work, which is reducing risk. So with that said, bug bounty programs are a tool among the many options that security leaders and information technology leaders have to meet that goal of making the enterprise safer so they have more funds to invest and make real things that matter and the business grow. All right, so what is a bug bounty program? Think about those other services that we all enjoy these days where you can use this application on your phone and suddenly if you need a ride somewhere, there's a person who just showed up in front of you in their vehicle to take you where you need to go. Or maybe if you need to book travel somewhere and you need a place to stay, there's services online now that you can find space in somebody's home where they're not around and it's a great experience for a lot of reasons. And those are unused cycles out there on the market that are now made available to you as the consumer. A bug bounty program is just like that, where you're making use of unused cycles, unused inventory of very talented security researchers that are just out there looking for great work to do. So that's one component of it. The other way to think about it is how do we find bugs and vulnerabilities in our infrastructure as fast as possible at the lowest cost? Remember that this is the Internet. There's always people constantly attempting to compromise your infrastructure, but they're just not telling you about it. So bug bounties are a way for those researchers I mentioned who aren't active at the moment or maybe already scanning your infrastructure. Bug bounty programs are a vehicle that allow them to responsibly inform you of the vulnerabilities on your infrastructure that they find. And it's on your terms and usually in return for a reward. There's three players in this ecosystem. There's security researchers out there with the great knowledge of information security and infrastructure and applications. There's your company, and there's bug bounty vendors, who are usually the people who manage such programs and are kind of like the outsourced provider by which those researchers make their way to you. So is this sort of common knowledge in the market and amongst your clients about bug bounty programs and how they work, or are there any misconceptions out there that need to be allayed? Sure. I think it's still pretty early in the big picture, and there are misconceptions out there about how bug bounty programs work. Some people, first glance, when they hear bug bounty programs, they may get confused between something they've also read about, like bug brokers, which are people, security researchers or hackers, may sell the information about vulnerabilities they find to the highest bidder, maybe somebody you don't want to have that information. Bug bounty program is where the researchers come directly to you and share what they've found. The other misconception that some people have when they think about this 
is that they need to be maybe a Silicon Valley company or a tech company to really make use of this. And that's not true at all. We see companies from all industries taking advantage of bug bounty programs to reduce risk. Another thing people say when I hear about bug bounty programs is, I need a lot of money to get this up and running. And money is good, and more money to pay the researchers for the bounties may mean higher quality researchers are interested in your program, but it's not always the case. And maybe it's a function of an investment over time that you can change. Like in the beginning, you start small, and you may invest more in the bounties you pay out later after you have your head around this thing a little bit more. There's other cases where you don't need any money at all. A lot of people at the forefront of the bug bounty movement would share that there are plenty of researchers out there, a significant portion of the researchers out there, who are only interested now in credit or fame and recognition. And that's fine, too, because it's going to be on your terms. And that may mean just giving them a shout-out, a recognition on your website, saying thank you to this researcher for finding that on our website. It can be that simple. So money is not really a constraint that should keep people away from this. Like I said, we can change those variables over time. Maybe in the beginning you just offer recognition and later you offer a little bit of money for the rewards and over time grow into big rewards. Both you and the community of researchers out there grow into this together. So then in terms of on the positive side, what are some of the key success factors? Where should firms start? Really what's appropriate in terms of scope for a bug bounty mm-hmm. program? Yeah, great question. I think probably the first thing that comes to people's minds are websites or web portals. They want to know if somebody has found the vulnerability. So websites are clear starting points for a bug bounty program. Other things that you may make public to the world like APIs, or maybe your company has an Internet of Things offering, essentially anything that represents attack surface and where you would want to be notified if somebody finds a vulnerability, that's prime fodder for a bug bounty program. So what can one expect over time? Is this something where once you start it, you're reaping the benefits immediately? Over time, do the benefits improve to sort of a steady state thing, or are you on an upward track in terms of the benefits you're going to be getting? I answer that a couple of ways. I think it is something where the benefit grows over time. Essentially, contrast this with another common tool in the toolkit for information security professionals, which is the annual pen test. We don't mean to say that this a bug bounty program should displace penetration testing. What we do mean to suggest is this is, should complement those efforts because a lot of times a penetration test may be budgeted for annually, which means you get X number of days of some very bright people looking at your application. That's great. You can complement that annual examination or semi-annual, whatever the schedule is, by a bug bounty program that is running all year long. So you have some people looking at it all the time. And what that means is what can go up and down over time is that as those vulnerabilities come in the door on your terms, as you're notified about them, your response teams get better at the entire exercise of mitigating these vulnerabilities. Whereas in the past, maybe you have that annual cycle where you heard from the penetration testing teams and you get a lump of vulnerabilities and you work to fix them. Now, over time, you're getting them more regularly. So that means your team is better at dealing with them. Your mean time to resolution goes down over time. That's number one. Number two, the total number of vulnerabilities out there in your system goes down because we're finding the things that you just didn't know about before. What that means in aggregate, when mean time to resolution goes down over time, the number of vulnerabilities go down over time, the overall risk to your company goes down. Your immune system is going up. That's how I would talk to leaders about expectations over time with a bug bounty program. 
Okay, well, speaking of leaders, is a bug bounty program really solely the domain of the chief security officer and his or her team, CIO, or are there things that the business leaders or executives within a firm should be doing relative to these types of programs? Sure. So I would say most of the time this is probably under the purview of the CISO and that they would report it, whatever that reporting structure looks like. I would also share that in all of the time that we've been looking at this and the conversations I've had with colleagues and professionals out there, and I often ask the same question. I say, does anybody regret doing a bug bounty program? And I think the answer is really telling. Nobody has ever said, yes, we regret doing a bug bounty program. There's many people who say we wish we had done it a little differently. We learned along the way they could have done it better, but we could say that about anything. There's not a single person I've asked that question who said they wishes they never did a bug bounty program. So that's what I would share with leadership. And I think in maybe in an upcoming conversation, Sam, we can talk about concrete steps, like a checklist on how to get started in a bug bounty program. But in the meantime, if anybody has any questions, we're happy to assist anytime and learn more together. Okay, Caleb, as usual, great stuff. Thank you for joining us here today on Advice Worth Keeping, and we'll get you back very soon to talk about the next steps in terms of building out this type of program. So that's it for today from Advice Worth Keeping. And you can find the links to the items we referenced in the show today below the podcast. If you're online, of course, and the URL for that is kpmg.com slash us slash podcast. That's a wrap. Thanks for your participation.